Welcome to Scale with Sergio, a market scale podcast where industry experts share valuable insights in their areas, from operations and supply chain to finance and sales. I am your host, Sergio Reyes. Since this is our pilot episode, I would like to introduce myself. I am the Executive Vice President of Operations here at MarketScale. My career has taken me through an incredible journey in multiple industries, manufacturing, transportation, healthcare, communications, and now media and technology. When I thought about this podcast, I wanted to create a forum where thought leaders could offer practical advice to the world. You will hear diverse ideas and truly first-hand experience on how to tackle different business scenarios. My objective is to have fun and to share some of my guests' incredible wealth of knowledge with you. Enjoy! In this episode, we will talk about tenets of optimizing an operation. This topic is super relevant under the current environment when everyone is looking to be more efficient and implement cost controls. But as an operational guy myself, it should always be the goal of any organization to proactively look at optimizing the operation, always challenging the status quo and continuously evolving. With that, we have an incredible guest today. I'm proud to call him a friend and mentor. He has a wealth of experience in operations and has built his career transforming operations into efficient, powerful machines. Please welcome Mike Tracy, Senior Vice President, Operations at Highmark Health. Great to have you, Mike. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, Sergio. Thank you for asking. I appreciate you having me on your show. This is an honor, and I look forward to the conversation. Awesome. Why don't we start talking about Mike? Tell us about yourself. Sure. I hate to admit, I probably have 20-plus years of operational experience, give or take, and I guess I would be giving more than I'd be taking. Uh, I, my most recent experience, as you mentioned, is with Highmark Health. I have been with Highmark for just under five years with about 15 years of experience in healthcare operations overall and then the financial sector before that. That's an impressive trajectory. So um, this topic of optimizing an operation, super relevant in today's environment, like we said before, and um, how would you like to um, start with this topic? How do you like to structure this? Well, let's see. Uh, we could talk about the 950 different things that make up uh, optimizing an operations, and then it'd probably be the last scale of Sergio that exists. So <laughs> for the purposes of making this a, an efficient and shorter podcast, why don't we start with the, the three critical things that really everything else falls under? So I like to look at optimizing operation from a people, process, and technology perspective. Yeah, that sounds better than 950 elements, Mike. I agree. All right. I like the approach. Why don't we start with, say, process? Okay. I think that's a, a great place to start. Uh, really, process is the foundation of anything you're going to do within your operations. So if you think of process, it's really just a fancy way of saying what are those different steps that need to be done in whatever job you're looking at or analyzing? Um, now, why would you look at that? There's several different reasons to look at it. Uh, the most obvious is there's something going wrong uh, in a process, and you want to understand what that is that's going wrong so that you could fix it and get the outcomes that you want. Uh, but there are other reasons that you would use it as well. 
You may want to op be more efficient in what you're doing. You want to make sure that you're getting the most value out of the process that's in place. Uh, or you may want to look and see, are there things that you're doing today that are duplicative that you're, you're doing multiple times and you don't need to do? So we can get in that a little bit more, but those are really the, the main reasons that you would want to look at process. So if I go into that in a little more detail, if you're talking about something that's broken, that's obviously the, the, the easiest one to wrap your head around. We'll use something in manufacturing first, but then we'll go into to other fields to show that it truly applies to more than just a, a manufacturing floor. So we all drive cars. That's something we can all relate to. If I have a manufacturing line and I have a, a need to create red sedans with four doors, and I have all the car parts running through my line, and what comes out the other end is a blue sedan with four doors, I know I have a problem. I'm, I'm not getting the outcome that I want. Um, obviously, I need to figure out why I'm not getting the red car, and that's very obvious because I see what's coming off of that line. Um, but it doesn't just apply to that world as well. If you're looking at non-production worlds, you have similar scenarios. So if I'm wanting to create a report that tells me all of the different pieces of work that I am manufacturing and when they went out the door and if a quality check was done and I get that report and it no, it does not have information around when it went out the door, I know I have a problem and I have to figure out where that is. But with that assembly line we talked about, it's easy. You go to where they paint the car, you figure out why there's not red paint, and you fix that so that you're getting the color that you want. It's a little more difficult when you're looking at things that aren't tangible, like an assembly line. Um, and when you go out and search process improvement or continuous improvement or even process mapping, you're going to see a lot of different tools. Um, they have fancy names. They can seem daunting and scary from time to time. You'll see terms like Lean Six Sigma, flowcharts, swim lanes cause and effect analysis, SWOT analysis, and the list goes on. It really, it really is a long list. But really, all of those things are just designed to help you map out what it is that you're doing step by step, and then go through each of those until you find out where your issue is. In my career, I've had a real life example where I've had things that were broken. For example, uh, I'm supposed to get claims processed and out the door in a timely fashion. I had a situation where claims were getting out the door like they were supposed to. And a claim is just you've gone to the doctor, you have gotten the care you need, that doctor submitted a claim to get paid, and we have time frames that we have to get those out the door. I had scenarios where those weren't getting out the door in a timely fashion, but I didn't know why that was happening. So we had to look at the entire flowchart of all of the different steps that happened in that process and one by one say, are we getting the result we need? Is it moving through the value chain like it's supposed to in the time it's supposed to until we got to the scenario where we said, no, this did not go from one point to the next in the, in the fashion it was supposed to. You get there and you need to figure out why. Otherwise, you can't fix it. And that's when you use some of those, those tools that are out there that I'm talking about. Uh, two of the ones I didn't mention, there's something called 5Y analysis, another thing called a fishbone diagram, or I think its official name is a Ishikawa diagram that are really designed to do nothing more than help you understand why you have an issue and get to the real root cause. So you do that analysis, you understand what the issue is, you fix it, 
you see if that fixed the problem and run through the same steps again until you truly are getting the results you want. In this scenario, we had to go through a couple of different 5Y analysis because our first issue that we thought we had ended up being symptom and not a real root cause, but we eventually got there and, and were able to get the issue fixed. So that's the easy part. You know you have an issue, it's obvious, you need to go through your process and you need to fix that. The less obvious is when you're getting the results you need. You're getting, to use that manufacturing uh, example, you're getting the red car you wanted. Or in my world, claims are going out the door in the time frame that you wanted. But how do you really know that you've optimized your process? You don't unless you're truly looking at things from beginning to end. And that car example that we can all relate to, I'm getting a red car at the end, but without looking at my process, I didn't know that upstream, I'm still putting primer on that car before it gets painted. And now we have new special paint that doesn't require primer. Am I getting the car I need at the end? Sure. But I'm taking more time to put primer on there that I shouldn't have to. And I'm spending dollars that I wouldn't have to spend otherwise. In my world, uh, an example very recently, within the last five years, actually, uh, when I was at Highmark, when I was diving in to understand a new world that I was taking on, I was looking at all the different functions and found that I had a person who was dedicated to creating a report that went into a file that was their whole job. They didn't know what the report was used for. They couldn't tell me who was looking at the report. They just knew their job day in and day out was to create this report and put it in this file. Come to find out, no one had looked at that report in over three years. It was outdated. People didn't need it anymore. It didn't serve any value. I was still getting the outcome I needed at the end of the day. I was still getting my work out the door, but I was using a resource that I could use other, other, in other places to create a report that wasn't being used. Perfect example of something where I would not have known that had I not looked at that process that was able to find that out, get that fixed, and then repurpose that resource for something that was value added down the road. Another less obvious scenario. So that was a scenario where we saw a piece of work that was being done that didn't need to be done. You, you may or may not find that in your industry, but you will likely find where you have redundancies. So another real life scenario. I have a piece of work that needs to be done where an appeal needs to be validated. Someone needs to do work to understand why someone was appealing a decision that was made. They need to understand where that work goes next, and then they need to send that over to someone to make a decision on that appeal. Well, all of that happened exactly like it was supposed to. I had the employee do the analysis that needed to be done, do the work that needed to be done to determine where the appeal needed to go, route the appeal. The routing happened just like it was supposed to in the system. It went to the next person. The problem was that person then had to go back and do a lot of the same work that the person before that did to understand what was going on before they made a decision on that appeal. That is a, you know, a redundancy. I have somebody doing the same work twice. I have somebody doing research before they route it over. I then have someone doing research to get up to speed on that so that they can make a decision. In that scenario, had we not done a process analysis, we would have not known that we had the issue. We were able to combine those two functions. So the person who was doing the analysis on the back end did a couple more steps initially cut out an entire process that needed to happen so the redundant work didn't happen. And again, another scenario where we're able to free up resources that we could then use on more meaningful things that would help drive our agenda or our revenue growth that we were looking to obtain.
So really a couple of, of very brief examples of why you would use process analysis, but really making sure you have the right process in place is foundational to anything else you do in optimizing your operation. So uh, very interesting and love to hear real life examples from an expert. Uh, just a couple of questions. Um, you mentioned uh, duplication of efforts. You mentioned errors in the process itself, uh, maybe infinite loops of doing the same thing. How do you um, assemble a team to conduct this analysis? Do you pull people out of production and do it for a while? Do you have an expert team? How do you accomplish that? Yeah, so I think it's something that has to be ongoing. Um, you could certainly pull people out of production who have that expertise to set up a team. I would actually advise, though, you need to have a dedicated team that does this on an ongoing basis. It's certainly easy uh, and more intuitive to do this when you're first taking over an area, when you have a problem. All good leaders should be doing this on a consistent basis. And obviously, you as a leader aren't going to be able to sit there and do it yourself day in and day out. So you need to set up a team that's able to do that and really focus on continuous improvement and constantly evolving your process. Yeah, that's an excellent point. It is relatively easy um, as you take ownership of an area to explore all the things that are going, you know, not necessarily perfect with that area or wrong. Um, but I think the trick for any leader in operations is to continuously, again, like we said at the beginning, challenge the status quo. It is that continuous improvement mentality and really constantly evolve. All right. Well, thank you so much for that um, on the process side. Um, let's move on to the next element that you discussed. So let's talk about people, super important resources of an organization. Um, how do you address those? Uh, people is probably the, the part that I am the most passionate about. All, all of these things excite me, but without the right people in place, um, everything else is going to fail. Um, so if you're looking at people, it probably falls into two or three different categories. So first, you have to make sure that you are hiring uh, the best candidates that you can for the job. You want to get in quality candidates. You want to make sure that you have people that are going to excel at what you're doing. The last thing you want to be doing is spending the majority of your time working with underperforming employees. So we all have to do that. That's, that's the nature of the job. But you'd much rather spend your time focused on how do we drive the business forward um, versus dealing with employees that don't have the right, uh, right skill level that you're looking for. That goes into the second part of, of the criticality of getting people right. And that is, it is truly skill set. It's that exact phrase that I used. And it's hiring the right talent for the role. You notice I didn't say hiring the highest skilled talent, the person with the most qualifications, meaning the, you know, the highest degrees. It's the person that's right for the role that you're doing. Uh, a real example of that. Um, if I go and hire a physician to do data entry in the healthcare industry, I'm going to get the data entry done. It's going to be done. I'm probably not going to have to follow up to get that done, but I am grossly overpaying for the, the resource that I need or the skill set that I need. So that's problem number one, which is a real life financial problem where we all obviously want to optimize how we're spending our dollars because that then ties up dollars I could use in other places. 
to help achieve what I'm looking to do. But on top of that, I'm probably not getting the most efficient person for the job easy either. Uh, in this data entry example, if it's something where I have to do it manually, uh, I'm probably going to go find somebody who has done data entry and can type a lot of words a minute and can get through things very quickly. Whereas a doctor whose skill set is used on much, um, you know, much different items isn't going to have that skill set that I'm looking for. And it's going to take them longer and I'm going to need more resources. So it's absolutely critical that you hire the right talent for the role that you're looking for, not necessarily the highest paid resource or the highest educated resource or the person with the most skills. Hey, Mike, that sounds a lot like, uh, forgive the example here, but almost like buying a larger shirt. Um, it will do the job, but it won't feel good or look good. Yeah, I, I, think, <laughs> I, I think that's a great example. Uh, that shirt may, may partially keep you from getting wet or getting cold, but it's probably too big on you, so air is going to get in, and it, it certainly won't be as efficient as that shirt that fits right. Um, I, I think that example probably does a good job of showing where it's not um, getting you the ideal results you want. Um, I, I think you could use, I know I used the, the manufacturing car example initially, but if I use another car example, if my, if, if my goal is to get from point A to point B and I have no qualifications other than that, and I go out and buy a Mercedes instead of buying a Prius, um, not only am I not, you know, taking into account that all I'm trying to do is get from point A to point B, I'm probably spending more dollars because while that Mercedes is nice and wonderful, it gets me to the same place the Prius did, but it's costing me more money and gas and wear and tear on the car and maintenance and those things. So yeah, I think I think the shirt example is an ideal example, but there's also scenarios where where cost factors in as well. So don't forget that about that component. Okay, and and how do you value? Um, so once you have found the right resources to do the right job, um, now what do you you have to develop them? You have to um, you know take care of their their career, how do you accomplish that? What kind of focus? And that, that's, yes, that's spot on, Sergio. And that, that's the third component of this. You really have to develop your resources internally. So if you're standing up a business from the ground up, you obviously are gonna have to go hire people from the outside. If you're growing as a business and have more business than you can handle with the resources you need, that's another scenario where you're gonna have to go outside and bring in resources. But you're doing yourself a huge disservice if you're not developing your people to grow within your organization, take on different roles and be part of your organization as it grows and expands. Um, the people who know your business the best are the ones you want to keep with your company, especially if they're excelling at their role. And you want to give them the, the skill set to grow within the organization because they're going to be loyal to you. You brought them in. You helped them develop. You helped them grow their career and they're not going to forget that plus they know your business better than everybody than anybody else would if i'm bringing people in from the outside i have a lot of non-productive time where i'm paying that resource to get them up to speed if you have somebody internally that you develop and growing they're going to largely hit the ground running and if there is development time it's much less than the person you're bringing in from the outside so it's very critical that you invest your time and efforts and developing the talent that you already have within within your shop. Awesome. So find the right people for the right job and invest in your people. That's that's phenomenal. 
If you do nothing else, don't forget that. You absolutely have to do that. That leaves us with our last element, last tenet that we discussed, technology. So when I hear commercials and articles about um, artificial intelligence and machine learning and robotics, um, is that what technology is all about? So just implement that and you're all set? Uh, no, I, I think it's much larger, larger than that. That is a component of it and a valuable component. It's certainly the, the sexy part of technology now. It's the part that we see put in front of us in magazines, on television. Uh, I'm remembering one particular commercial, and I'm sure we can't mention names on this podcast, but with a um, well-known um, R&B artist that uh, talked about how um, artificial intelligence is in every facet of our life, and it is. We, we, we need to use that. You would be doing your business a disservice if you didn't. Obviously, you want to automate every task that you can to free up resources for those things that can't be automated. You want to use machine learning to potentially automate things that you couldn't have automated um, even as recently as, as five years ago. But it goes a lot further than that. And that's where people, I think, get caught up. They say, hey, I can't use, um, I can't use automation or technology in my field because it doesn't translate. I don't have a repeatable process. I can't go and automate things. Let me give you some real examples of where it has nothing to do with that. So in the healthcare space, and some of you may have actually lived this, especially in this environment we're in today, uh, we have been forced to, it, to quickly grow in the telemedicine space. So if you've had a doctor's visit over the last four weeks and it wasn't for something that was urgent or you didn't have a critical necessity to go into a hospital uh, you likely did that doctor's visit over some sort of telehealth channel or telemedicine. And all that is, that means you talk to your doctor over the telephone. You did some sort of video chat with them, whether that be through your phone or through Zoom or all, any of the other tools that are out there. And you were able to get the help that you needed without going into your doctor's office. That's technology. That's face-to-face -face technology where that client and the, uh, the client, and in this case, the doctor are, are talking face-to-face. -face. So it doesn't seem like this is a real leap into technology, but it is. That's something we couldn't have done five or 10 years ago. It was something that we weren't doing a lot of uh, even six months ago, but was really accelerated because of the changes that needed to happen with a lot of the, the, the pandemic issues that we're all dealing with. Um, that's one very real example that, that matters in my world. But it's not just about customer facing as well. So you know, there are a lot of tools out there. I know that market scale um, has some of these um, that are probably better than others. Um, but there's, there's multiple different you know, options to choose from. And I'd su suggest you do your research on them. But there's things like live video that you can use to have meetings. Uh, another very real example, just last week, I did a town hall with over 2,000 people, and I did that via live video. Didn't need to bring people in the office. People were able to still stay at work from home, but we were able to have the town hall, communicate what we needed to, to a large audience, take questions, give answers, just like you would if you were doing it in person, yet use technology in order to achieve that. Online training. 
another great example. And I would highly suggest you look at what's out there relative to online training. We had new hire classes for our customer service department where we needed to start them after we had sent everybody to a work at home environment. And we had to figure out quickly, how do we do this online and do this training? And we came up with an online training solution. They're out there. There, there are plenty of solutions and it's a way to leverage technology that has nothing to do with automating things. Uh, things that you do that you probably take for granted as simple as texting or IMing people or using your phone to conduct business. Those are all technology tools that are out there for you to use. So don't think technology means I'm out there doing coding and creating a robot. I'm out there using machine learning and artificial intelligence. Those are big components of it, but there's a lot of things that are out there for you that make your day-to-day -day interactions with people easier leveraging technology. You know, that's a great point. Um, here at MarketScale, we have media channels precisely under those, um, you know, those items that you mentioned, live broadcasting, online learning solutions. Those are really important and relevant channels of communication of information that we need to, um, as an enterprise, you know, um, you know leverage for for to communicate a certain uh you know thought leadership or or certain communication or training or or like you said a town hall that's that's phenomenal and, and the reality sergio is you know we we don't exactly know when we're all going to be quote unquote back to normal and out of the situation we're in today but the reality is the new normal will look very different than what it did um even two months ago And even in a normal business as usual situation, these are going to be tools that we can all optimize because on top of making it easier in a situation where we can't do other things, do you really want to invest time in bringing people from, you pick the cities, from Boston to Dallas and waste two days on either end to have them in Dallas for a one-day in-person meeting when you can get those 500 people in a live video chat? Or do you want to spend the money to to bring people in the office every day for training or for that matter do you want to limit your pool to only people that are local where you can say okay i'm in the dallas area or i'm in the san francisco area so i have to hire people here or do you want to be able to hire people all over the country and be able to leverage online training so that you're truly getting the best resources you can going back to the people conversation we had about hiring the right people for the job with the right skill set You're going to have a lot easier time doing that if you're not limited to a geographic region. That's right. And um, so, you know, it, this is very interesting topic because when you talk about um, let's optimize an operation, it's kind of a daunting task for any leader, right? And so I think you've done really well here um, breaking it down into the components or elements or tenets of the optimization, right? It is your people, your process, and your technology. If you wouldn't mind, um, could you give me the, uh, the punchline for each one of these elements to conclude? Sure, absolutely. So we'll, we'll start in the order that we, we talked about this. So if I'm looking at process, if you don't remember anything else from the conversation that we just had, always look at your process on a continual basis. You'll have to decide what's right for your industry. Some people may need to look at it weekly. Others may look at it every six months. Everybody, others may look at it once a year. But whatever is the right rhythm for you, don't forget to look at your process and make sure that you are optimizing what you do 
and that nothing has changed since the last time you looked and dedicate resources to doing that. Don't try to do it off the side of your desk. Don't try to pull somebody off of the floor who's doing manufacturing to look at process. You're going to shortcut yourself and you're not going to get it done if you, if you try to do it that way. When it comes to people, if you remember nothing else, start by hiring the people with the right skill set for what you need to do and then invest in your people. If you're loyal to your people, if you invest in your people, if you help them grow in their career, they'll be loyal to you and the benefit you get will be tenfold what you invest. Do not forget to invest in your people. You absolutely have to do that. That is one of the most critical things any of us can do. And it's the area that people stub their toe on the most. And when it comes to technology, think outside the box. I know that's an overused term, but don't think of technology as just artificial intelligence and machine learning. Look at tools that matter in your industry and that can help you on the people side of what you're doing. Use technology to make your life easier. Certainly don't discount machine learning. Don't discount artificial intelligence. Don't discount automation. Those are all things that are valuable and can help you free up resources to use on other things. But then look at technology and how you can use things like live video, online training, and other tools to make your job easier and help your company excel. Well, I appreciate so much your time, and it was great to hear from re real-life examples. Um, that was Mike Tracy, Senior Vice President of Operations at Highmark Health. Um, hope to have you again in the future. Appreciate it. Thank you, Sergio. It was a, a pleasure being here. I look forward to being back on the show in the future, and best of luck to everyone out there. I hope this helped a little bit, and everyone stay safe. Thank you.